Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Sam's Report. If you were wondering why there was no show Friday, or if you're listening to this later in the week, it may not make any sense, but I'm actually recording this on Saturday morning because I was traveling all week. Uh, if you weren't following on Twitter or you know all the other places that I, they vomit things onto the internet, I was in London last week, uh, an entire week, which is actually a typically longer trip than usual, but I'm back home, and I, I love to record this thing. I do it because I enjoy it. Uh, really no other reason. I, I just enjoy doing this, and I appreciate you listening. So I wanted to do this, and it's Saturday morning, and here we are. I've been up for, <laughs> it's 9 a.m., and I've already been up for six hours of the day. Everybody loves jet lag. Just kidding. It is horrific, um, but whatever. You know, I got up early, got the, got the wife and kid donuts before they even woke up, so making best use of the day, I guess. Uh, anyways, so I was in London last week. I was actually at a conference. I, I know I mentioned this several times on the podcast, but it's now over, passed, and gone. And if the first-time listener and you're wondering why I was in London, uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise had a conference. And I do try to go to these things, uh, things outside of the world of Microsoft several times a year, mostly because, I, as I've said before, it gets you outside the bubble. If you kind of only go to build uh, WPC and all the other Microsoft events, you kind of get um, encompassed in just their message. And which is fine to some respect, but at some point you have to kind of step back and say, okay, well, what else is the industry doing? And that's really what I like to use HPE's conference for, and they call it HPE Discover, mostly because they are kind of in an opposite position of Microsoft. Microsoft is all rah, rah, cloud. HPE is all like buy our servers and all that good stuff. And each company has their own place and, um, you know, they're both fine. And it, it's just two different takes on the market. Microsoft has a vision. HPE has a vision. And they do cross because HPE does stuff with Azure Stack and um, other Microsoft things. And they're a seller of Azure, too. So they kind of live in this legacy world of servers and infrastructure. But that stuff's not going away anytime soon. And they're also kind of bridging the gap with this hybrid environment. So I was at HPE. Uh, you can go check out all their stuff. I wrote up some things for Petri. Some more stuff coming next week about their vision and where they're going now that I've seen the complete vision. Talked with everybody from CTOs to customers and all that stuff. And it just helps you kind of take a step back and, and take another look at the market itself and understand how companies, and when I talked to companies, these weren't HPE. These, these were clients of HPE about how they envision and see things. So uh, it, it's just a dynamic time right now. We're, we're going from this world of where everything, if you wanted to build a data center, you just went out and bought the hardware, built four walls and a ceiling and a floor and put some rack-mounted servers in there to this world where, hey, you actually now legitimately have another option to outsource this stuff to Azure, AWS, Google Cloud. Um, there's a couple other smaller vendors out there. But it, it, it's just a transition, and it's a big transition. Granted, to the end user, they may not see much, but in the IT world, this is a massive time. And I honestly think in 25, 30 years, we will look back at this hybrid period. I don't think on-prem servers will still be around in 25, 30 years, but I do believe it will be a smaller market at that time. But I think we'll look back and say, hey, this is kind of like the renaissance of the cloud. Um, renaissance may not be the word. The birth of true infrastructure in the cloud where any type of workload can be off um, put off-site. And, it, and it's putting some interesting challenges on HPE because they need to figure out where they're going to live in the world, how they're going to operate, and they've gone through some pivots. And so check out, look out for that post coming up. Um, so, yeah, anyways. Uh, another post that I wrote this week, and if you're a Throt.com premium member, and I'm actually going to have a link in the description 
for uh, of the show notes. So if you've if you have no idea what Throt is, uh, just go check it out, and you can sign up for free. I mean, th- th- it's not a whole paywalled site. I don't want to put that impression out there. Uh, most of the content is free, but there are some things we put behind pr- uh, a paywall um, just to help keep the site running, make sure that we don't have to overload the site with ads. Anyways, uh, there's going to be a link in the description that will save you money, uh, 25% off. So definitely use that if you're going to sign up and you can get a full year for a hell of a lot less than traditional. So definitely check that link out. But anyways, I wrote a post up this week and it's going to be a reoccurring thing. And it's it's a series that I've people have been asking about. And I kind of started it actually in the show with like what I use. And it's a series called just The Essentials. And I wrote one last week use about Grammarly, which is a free plugin you can use. And this week, um, I wrote about ShareX. And ShareX is just a better screenshot-taking application. And I didn't, like, unintentionally, people got really, like, defensive of their screenshot tool. And I thought, like, wasn't the intent here. People are yelling at me to use OneNote instead, use OneClip. Or not OneClip. OneClip doesn't exist anymore. Um... Uh, Microsoft's Clipper tool that they had that came out of the garage, and then there's the screen grabber. Like, there's a whole bunch of crap. But anyways, ShareX, definitely check it out. Go check out this post, and it's really just a better tool. And the thing that I love about it is I have a button mapped on my mouse. On my mouse, like, if you're watching the video feed, it's this top center button here. If I press this, what happens is, is it ShareX sits in the system tray, so it's not a UWP, but doesn't sit on the taskbar, which I really like. It's in the system tray. I press that button, and what it does is it gives me a crop tool. And I can just drag anywhere on the screen, and it takes a screenshot of that region. That's what ShareX calls a region. And the key benefit here, because I know some other tools do similar things, and you can kind of jerry-rig the stuff. But uh, what it does then is that it saves it to my desktop. And I use screenshots all the time on Twitter and posts and all that stuff. And so all I all I wanted was to replicate the, the function on Mac, on OS X. If you hit Command-Shift-4, it gives you the same tool. You draw a region, and it saves it to the desktop. That's all I wanted on the PC, and ShareX does it. It's a free application. Uh, it's great. It's updated f- very frequently, like like weekly, it seems. And it, it's just very robust. So if you're looking for a better screenshot application, go check out ShareX. It's free. Uh, check out the post, too, because I've got a lot more details about it. But anyways... Um, I got a quasi small scoop, whatever you want to call it. Every week and week out, we've been asked about where and what Joe Belfiore is doing. Cause he kind of left Microsoft and, uh, off <laughs> Microsoft never explained why I'm pretty sure I know why, but it wasn't, let's just say when he left Microsoft, it wasn't under the best terms. He wasn't very happy and some things, some riffraff went around. And so he took quite literally a year off and now he's back and everyone's like, what's Joe doing? Um, obviously, we don't see him on stage anymore, at least not yet. And so what I learned is that he's working on uh, consumer shell initiatives. And so this is really, from what I understood, uh, from what I understand, is that he's working on how Microsoft is going to monetize Windows 10 and the future of licensing not existing, um, low-end hardware, think like uh, Chromebook-style PCs where a $50 license to the OEM like jacks up the price. So it's trying to figure out how to make Microsoft make Windows more profitable in a changing environment, right? Because the licensing model of yesterday no longer works in the world of software. And so that's what his team and he has been tasked with. And so please, for the love of God, stop asking about what he's doing. I, I joke, but not really. People would ask every podcast, every week almost saying, what is Joe doing? So there you go. And I very much appreciate uh, the people who made it possible. I actually asked Microsoft about this. And I said, hey, here's what's going on with Joe. Um, 
can I get a comment? And so a couple things happen when you email Microsoft. Sometimes they come back right away and they'll say, nope, this isn't true. We're not going to comment on this. It was 48 hours for them to get a comment, which led me to believe a couple different things. They, they took this information and they said, ah, oh, we got to come up with a story for Joe B about what he's doing. And, um, I don't know, because he's a high-profile person in the company, 170,000-ish Twitter followers. Everybody knows who Joe is that's following Microsoft. And so my my hunch one was that they were trying to figure out to come up with a narrative. And then 48 hours went by, which is a very – I can't express how long of a time frame that is for Microsoft to get back with you with a comment. 24 hours sometimes is, is the upper bound, especially – time zones and all that stuff and, and the nature of the request but 48 hours went by and they came back and said uh we're not going to comment on this so uh that's what joby is doing kumbaya uh one of the other things i wanted to bring up on this on this podcast i meant to do it last week and it, it's making me a little i don't know i think it i think it kind of tells the narrative here and where the heck are all the extensions for edge so just kind of think about this for a minute. Like when they came out with this model of extensions for Edge, it was, oh yeah, everybody can just port their stuff over and there's going to be a huge store and everything and it's just going to be great. And Edge extensions are going to be everywhere and it's just going to be like Chrome. You can just go in and shop and, and grab them all. You're not really hearing that. And I, I will be very happy if somebody comes out and points out that this is completely incorrect uh, and, and not factual. But I, I did poking around and, and it's like, I, I do wonder where all these extensions have gone. Or, or why they haven't arrived. And the only thing I can think of is that, A, the demand is not there from the user that wants these extensions. Um, or B, which I think it's coupled to reasoning A, is that Edge just really isn't being used to the same capacity that they were potentially hoping it would be. And so I, I, Microsoft has, in, in my honest opinion, has really screwed up the, the release of Edge. And um, it didn't quite hit all the marks on how that, that product should have been launched and everything else. And we're seeing them get very aggressive with people trying to use Edge, you know, the little pop-up banners and Windows 10. And for the most part, for the average user, Edge is fine. But it, it's I, I think Microsoft has done a poor job on the marketing side of explaining Edge, telling why people should use it and why they shouldn't just download Chrome. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting thing. And Microsoft traditionally, I don't, put this on the development side at least not fully of why edge hasn't taken off but um it's it's an interesting position microsoft finds itself in yet again with a product where they used to dominate and now they kind of find themselves on the tail end and i still think the company as a whole has a uh kind of a it's like uh, microsoft made it um type scenario now granted that's not fully true because things like xbox and surface have extremely strong brand recognition and high uh consumer confidence i don't i don't i can't figure out the right term in my mind uh when you say go to a consumer and say surface they're gonna say oh yeah premium hardware great xbox great um windows blah like um <laughs> so i i think edge is kind of missing some of that and maybe it's a software thing that consumers don't really love about microsoft and they love this new hard these new hardware initiatives i don't know but it, it's kind of i was hoping to see more from the edge extension world and microsoft putting that up only because i think it's one password is said that they're now working on an edge extension, which is great. But what that like shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be that we're working on it. It should be that it's out. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's an interesting thing. Edge extensions, Microsoft's doing some good stuff with edge these days, but is it too little too late? Yeah. I don't know. They're fighting and they once again find themselves fighting an uphill battle, which they wanted to avoid at all possible. Um, they wanted to avoid this scenario 
And yet here we are uh, again. So, ah, kumbaya, kumbaya. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's. I feel for the guys that make Edge because th there's some really smart people there, and I know quite a few of them, and they do really good stuff, and they have the best ambitions. And I, I sometimes wonder if they get pushback from above about when they try to do some of this stuff. It's like Edge, Edge should have as many engineers as possible thrown on it because this is the future of the world is the browser. And if, if Microsoft isn't putting all their eggs into the browser basket, it, it seems crazy to me that they would not be trying to amp up the, the release cycle of Edge, the resources within Edge to make sure that Edge is a, not even just a household name, it is the name, it is the next Chrome. Because Chrome has gone through some cycles too, wherever, right? We all know the joke that Chrome eats so much RAM. Um, Microsoft has has an in into this environment about how they could, I don't know, take some market share. I, I just would love to see Satya Nadella come out and say, hey, we're going to throw a billion dollars at Edge to make sure we, we dominate that market and give them all the resources they can so that they're putting out builds every two weeks with new features and everything else that they need to make sure that they win. But here we are not seeing that. Uh, other things that were announced this week, Microsoft promoted Windows 10 anniversary update to current branch for business. So what this really means is that if you're in the enterprise world, uh, Microsoft is now certifying and saying that, hey, Windows 10, uh, what we consider built 1607, now that all the patches have come out and all that stuff, it's, it's ready for the business world. So be on the lookout for that. The bigger thing, and I got to double check my all my facts on this, but I believe this means that 1507, the release version of Windows 10, only has 60 days left of support for uh, current branch for business. I believe that's correct. It's something along that is that now that there's two builds out, um, to release, cause we have 1511, which was the November update. And then we have, uh, this new one, which was the anniversary update. Those are the two supported branches, which means windows 10, not getting the updates. Make sure you update your machine, make sure it's patched. I, I, I think the anniversary update for the most part is now stable and good. And I think they've kind of worked out all the teething issues and everything. I, I'm going to jinx the hell out of myself knock on wood here that uh, it, it's finally stable enough and, and good enough that there's no reason anybody shouldn't be running it. So uh, there's that. And this is definitely a shorter show, mostly because a it's Saturday morning, um, a couple other things, but I do want to hit on something that uh, came out and it's called neon. And so I've known about this initiative. I didn't actually know the name neon, um, but I, I knew that Microsoft was working on some UI components and granted, they are always working on UI components. Don't, don't let this like Microsoft, Oh, they, they up, they came up with windows 10. All the designers just go fade away and go do other things. Microsoft is always working on design elements. There were new design updates with the anniversary update. And so the next initiative is called neon. And, uh, there were some crazy posts out there about some of this stuff. I kind of like reel it back a little bit. Like, people are thinking this is a dramatic overhaul of Windows 10's uh, update interface. I don't I don't believe that in any aspect. I think it's more of refinement, consistency, and creating a common design language across the entire OS is sort of the point of Neon. And so, I'll just leave it at that. I, I've heard some other things that are going on with it, but I'm, I don't want to... I hate talking about things that I don't really have a high level of confidence on that I was told. So... Uh, neon is is real. I mean, it is a, a design schema, if you want to call it that, that is coming to fruition. But don't expect 
like the next update of Windows to <laughs> pull a Sanofsky and get rid of the start button. Um, it, it's nothing like that. It's a refinement of the OS. Microsoft isn't going to dramatically change things for multiple reasons. One, Windows 10 has a pretty big change of design from people going to Windows 7. And so people are getting are used to it with Windows 10 if they've been running it since it came out. They don't want to they don't want to change that. It, it's very it's a very dumb idea to change the core concepts of an OS. They might change some f slight varieties, but if you if you quite literally move the cheese too often, people get really upset, especially with an OS. So don't expect anything crazy to come with that stuff. And so there you go. And so I do want to point out that, hey, it is uh, December, and so we are ending, coming towards the end of the year, and this is when a lot of times when people take off, uh, things just kind of tend to slow down from here on out throughout the year. Now, it's not going to completely stop because Microsoft has already told us that they're pausing Windows 10 builds so they can get their universal update platform uh, kind of synced across everything. And I think that's going to start coming out. We're going to start seeing that. That's a big deal. But I do expect like the big high baller, high baller. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote that term solidify high baller uh, announcements to kind of just reel it back a little bit here mostly because it's the end of the year it's Christmas time it's shopping season and Microsoft just played all its cards and now it's kind of wait to see how everything kind of plays out so just just keep that in mind I mean think about how much time you're taking off uh, hopefully and then think about all the different people across Microsoft who are doing that and all the different people that are needed to make uh, builds go out, features, announcements like that become possible, and you start to understand why this is the slower time of the year. Uh, now, it will kick back up pretty heavily, at least in the tech sector with CES in early January, which I am going to. Uh, like, I'm, I'm going to CES. And so, yeah, there you go. So I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. Don't, I'm not going to drag this one on. Uh, if you're listening to this on the weekend, I hope you're enjoying the weekend. If you're listening to it at a later date, uh, have yourself a good one. And I'll catch you next time.